Welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for being with us. Statewide and local issues, slates of local candidates. How are we going to sort that all out? With the help of our Cranes government and policy reporter, Kim Palmer, as we talk about some of the key contests coming up on Tuesday. Kim, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Very exciting time. So we know that the, new, the election is Tuesday, November 8th. How long does a person have if he wants to, he or she wants to have early in-person voting? Yes, you can vote early um, in person until the Monday before the election, which would be no, November 7th. Um, and you need to get those uh, ballot, uh, those absentee ballots that you asked for in um, on the Saturday uh, before noon uh, before uh, of the election. Now, Election Day itself, as always, polls are from 6.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. What's the cutoff time? How le- If I'm running late, how late can I get there and still be allowed to vote? You're going to want to get in line. And um, usually at midterms, we don't see quite the lines that we will see uh, during a presidential election year. But as long as you're in line, uh, you can vote um, by 7.30 you can get your vote cast anytime after that, though, I'm afraid uh, the, they'll, you'll be turned away. Now, we mentioned these absentee ballots. If I need to mail it back and it has to be back on Saturday, you have to have two <laughs> postage stamps. And for some people, that's not a big deal. For others, it is. And it's actually been somewhat of a contentious issue. I mean, for some people, finding one postage stamp in your house would be <laughs> enough, uh, let alone two. This is one of the things that um, we've seen some pushback by voting advocacy groups that this is confusing. People don't, you know, people, there's been a request that these are all franked, which means paid for in advance uh, so that a, that a voter doesn't have to worry about running out and find a stamp or figuring out you know, how much postage to put on there. So this is, this is something that's been an ongoing issue for voting advocates uh, for especially this year, um, but, but for some time. So this is the midterm. What is on the ballot this time, the major issues statewide and, and uh, in terms of what candidates are running? You know, midterms, obviously, they don't get as much attention, although this midterm is getting quite a bit of attention um, relative to someone's in the past. But midterms, you know, seem to be the secondary election after uh, the years that we vote for president. But we have a lot of things on the ballot, right? The governor is on the ballot. That's between uh, sitting Governor Mike DeWine and Nan Whaley, who uh, used to be the mayor um, in Dayton. And... We have Attorney General, uh, which is now between um, sitting uh, uh, Attorney General David Yost and Parma Rep. uh, Jeff Crossman, Secretary of State, Treasurer, a slew of U.S. US House and Senate races, uh, and the Ohio Supreme Court and Ohio House and Senate. So it is a full slate of things to choose from or people to choose from. And lurking in the background of all this is the question of how the maps are drawn. This is a discussion that never seems to end in the great state of Ohio. Oh, the maps. Yes. Uh, you know, it, it, to give a little history, about 71 percent of Ohio voters approved a new uh, method of, of uh, redistricting or drawing these maps for both the um, the state houses and the, the congressional houses. actually for the congressional redistricting reform. Uh, The new maps were drawn and they're uh, very contentious, uh, pretty heavily Republican, not a surprise considering that we have a Republican supermajority in Ohio. 
but there, the, there have been advocates that have taken these maps to court and uh, we're in sort of a holding pattern. The maps that were drawn, we are going to be using for this election, but they have been um, ruled unconstitutional, which means we'll be back to the drawing board after this election to see, to, uh, you know, to redraw. There are two major statewide ballot measures on this midterm election uh, ballot, including issue one, which is looking at bail and how it's determined. What's the situation here? So the uh, issue one um, determining uh, bail based on a on public safety. If you're a proponent of this, uh, the idea is that um, public safety needs to be uh, considered when determining bail. If you are an opponent of this, the the answer is, well, yes, of course, and it always has been and will always be a determinant in bail. But what this seems to be a response to is a lot of talk about criminal justice reform, including bail reform that is being advocated nationally and in Ohio that would uh, really uh, get rid of a lot of cash bail for nonviolent offenses. Um, So... This is a vote that the opponents think could just um, kind of stymie that those reform efforts. A vote for the issue one. Pardon me. I want to be. I want to be clear. In issue two, we're looking at a citizenship voting requirement amendment. Now, if I understand correctly, non-citizens are not permitted to vote in federal elections. Is there some issue here in the state of Ohio that makes that different? Yes, this is another issue that opponents to this say is a solution in search of a problem. Uh, There was talk in Ohio City Yellow Springs, a proposal of letting non-citizens vote in the local elections uh, would be probably about a a thousand plus uh, non-citizens they they were uh, estimating would maybe be able to vote. So this is sort of a a proactive, this would be a proactive measure to make sure that no city could do that in the state of Ohio. One of the pushbacks, again, on this bill, because it it so specifically um, points out you have to be 18 years old and a citizen to vote, it would uh, bump up against uh, a policy that allows 17-year-old Ohioans who will turn 18 before a general election to vote in primaries. Um, so that's one, uh, you know, one of the issues that comes up with a yes vote on issue two. Certainly in the closely contended Senate race in which the Democrats are trying to hang on to power in the U.S. Senate, we have a major race here in Ohio with Democratic Representative Tim Ryan running against J.D. Vance to take over the seat for Rob Portman, who's stepping down. There's also some writing candidates. Have any of them made any noise? I mean... Look, this this Senate uh, uh, race is right up there with ones in Georgia and Arizona and 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 in Pennsylvania, where you know, even I, someone who's interested in these sort of things, I'm tired of hearing about <laughs> because they're such, you know. Um, so no, the write-in ca- uh, candidates, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not, and and no one in the country, it seems, paying too much attention to them. The big, big, you know, talk is. Who is going to come out on top with uh, the Democratic candidate, Tim Ryan, or the Republican candidate, J.D. Vance? And it's highly watched and and 
you know, it, there will be plenty said both before and after the election. Um, you know, it's lots of attention on this race, almost to <laughs> to the point of nauseam. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to watch yell at Ryan Day about calling bubble screens, and they keep interrupting me with television commercials about politics. <laughs> I, so we, as yeah. I'm watching these commercials, and I, both candidates have made some positive points, here's what I'm going to do, but it certainly seems, and I understand politics is about negative campaigning, that J.D. Vance is a phony who he's from here, but he doesn't really care about Ohio and that Tim Ryan's a flip-flopper, that he pretends that he's not with the Democrats 100 percent. Is any of this going to sink in? I mean, or is it just, are you think people already sort of figured out where they're going to be? Well, so no, we, this is a neck and, you know, if you go, if you look at any polls and, um, you know, I would uh, look at uh, more local polls. Baldwin Wallace University has for the last few years done a um, polling in the state Um and right now, the, you know, the numbers are, are slightly in um, you know, their, their poll, because there's a million of them. We have a slight lead uh, with Ryan within the margin of error, right? So we're talking 50% to about 46%. This is a, you know, what ends up being the deciding factor for a voter, you know, who knows, there'll be a lot, ta- a lot said about it. But uh, we may never know because this may be a, a really close race and um, I'll be interested in the exit polling as, as everybody else. Uh, Tim Ryan uh, has the benefit of, of being a known name, a known entity coming from a part of the state that did actually switch from a, a highly predictable Democratic electorate uh, to a Republican one with the two uh, elections with, where Trump was a presidential candidate. Tim Ryan is going after those numbers and he's he's going after them the way he knows how, talking about steel and talking about jobs and talking about being a hometown, you know, hometown man from a working class family. J.D. Vance uh, is getting hit with a lot of, you know, where have you been? Uh, do you even live in Ohio? Yeah. Um, and uh, with his... Uh, emphasis on how poorly Ohio is doing, how poorly the country is doing. Um, one of the uh, the Baldwin Wallace experts who conducted the poll said that he is uh, basically airing dirty laundry, and that people from both the southern parts of Ohio, where he grew up, and from southeast Ohio, are reacting negative negatively to that. And and uh, these are kind of the you know kind of the the soft issues that both of these candidates are are playing on. Even with the dirty laundry and all that sort of thing, Vance does have the support of former President Trump, which do you think that could get a lot of voters out to the polls? Well, this is why Ohio is being watched, right? But, you know, what does that support mean in Ohio? Uh, you know, as someone who's, who's born and raised and lived here for a while, I, I always think that, you know, Ohio voters kind of really want to like their candidates and that it's a very personal thing and a very Ohio-based thing. Uh, but yeah, I believe a lot will be made out of uh, uh, a loss or a win by J.D. Vance based on that uh, on that endorsement. 
Kim Palmer joins us today. She is the government and policy reporter for Cranes Cleveland. She joins us for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. We are looking at the Tuesday, November 8th elections. We also have, as we mentioned, a race here for governor with the incumbent Mike DeWine facing off against former Dayton Mayor Nan Whaley. It's often said that Democratic candidates have to lose once before they have a chance to win. But since the Democrats never run the same candidate twice, is there, will that help Whaley at all down the line if she doesn't win? Uh, so, um, you know, when when we're looking again at the local polls, you know, or, or the Baldwin Wallace poll here, we see a much bigger percentage of space between Mike DeWine and Nan Daly, uh, Mike DeWine being uh, ahead of her by, uh, you know, almost 20 percentage points in, in some cases. Uh, so if we were to go by this polling and we saw a Ryan win and a DeWine win, that is something, that is the political unicorn we like to call a split ticket. And that would be fascinating and worth, uh, again, a, a, a lot of discussion by national uh, pundits and maybe even, you know, those of us in Ohio, because what does that actually mean? You know, is DeWine just so popular in, you know, from his pandemic, uh, uh, his reaction to the pandemic and popularity with independence there that that he has such a, a, a huge margin over Whaley in the end, um, that remains to be seen. But, you know, he has been in politics for decades and his name is quite well known. And he did poll very well, you know, during the pandemic with independence and so this is this will be the fun thing to look at on the Wednesday after after the election to see how this all plays out. I know there was some talk about people who were opposed to the way DeWine handled the pandemic. There were people who thought he didn't open up the state early enough and were you know were not happy with the way he did it. That they would then swing to Whaley just to prove a point. We saw that in some other elections, but that doesn't seem to be materializing, does it? Uh, it's hard to tell. I mean, when we here's another thing, and maybe a good point to bring up uh, now with polling is. We've seen a, a good uptick in registrations here leading up to the election. And so if you're a new registered voter, you don't get polled, right? You're not going to be part of those calls. They're calling likely voters. And so what we're hearing, you know, from in these polls are people that usually vote or pretty uh, fast-fed voters. What we're not hearing from are people who might have registered in particular to vote in this election, whether that be to vote for Mike DeWine, which you don't see all the time. A lot of people, you know, crushing, you know, running to register to, to keep an incumbent. Uh, we could see, you know, that newly registered voter voting against uh, some of the things that have happened in the state for the last two years. Overall, where does voter registration stand in the state of Ohio? Is it up? Is it down? Yes. So uh, we are in Ohio. Uh, we have more than 8 million registered voters as of 2000, as the, this midterm election, this 2022 election. That's significant because we haven't, uh, we don't often uh, surpass that 8 million mark. We're usually a little bit below it. 2020 saw one of the highest levels of voter registration in Ohio. It dipped under 8 million, uh, you know, after that. But in the weeks, you know, right up to the wire of this midterm election, we got uh, well, well above. We got at least about 30,000 above the 8 million registered voters in the state. So kind of exciting. In terms of voters who are voting by absentee vote or, or showing up early and take advantage of early voting, are people doing that? 
So um, uh, when I talked with the um, Ohio Secretary of State's office um, earlier, uh, they do think that this uptick in early voting, whether it be by mail uh, with absentee ballots or in-person early voting, which is up um, across the state, uh, it's an increase of more than 50% across the state. They think it's a trend. They think people uh, did it in 2020 as a, as a consequence of the pandemic and are uh, happy to do it again and feel comfortable doing it again. Whether or not this means we're going to just see this huge uptick in voting overall remains to be seen. Uh, it may just be this comfort level with early voting, but uh, the numbers are pretty big. Uh, we're, we're, the numbers are pretty similar in Cuyahoga County as well. Uh, we're seeing an uptick in total absentee ballots requested, about uh, almost 30,000 more than, than we did in 2018, which is a comparable election. One of the questions pollsters always ask voters is, what's on your mind? What's the issue that's going to make you pull the lever for one candidate as opposed <laughs> to the other? So what are Ohio voters thinking about? Well, I mean, in polling, again, we're seeing inflation, you know, as the top issue. But that's followed. Uh, that issue is followed by the by abortion as a top issue, not for or against or you know how we're responding, but just as an issue on the mind of of Ohio voters. So that you know, those seem maybe like two disparate issues. I I always think the voters can probably keep two things in their minds, just as many of us do. We can think about you know, the price of gas and then um, larger and more political uh, issues of rights and, 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 and things of that sort. So I don't know how much you make out of it. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, these things are on people's minds. What it means in the end, if they're two separate issues or they're the same, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. Sometimes this race for Ohio Supreme Court can be a bit of an insider's battle that doesn't attract that much attention. Why is this year's race in particular so important? So the attention to the Ohio Supreme Court is kind of front and center with both the issues of the gerrymandered maps and with the Dobbs decision, which overruled Roe v. Wade. Uh, the, The Republicans have been in control with the majority of the Ohio Supreme Court since 86 that um, we started to see a little chip away two years ago with the election of Jennifer Bruner, who was at one point uh, Secretary of State, now running for the Ohio Supreme Court Chief Justice position uh, against Sharon Kennedy, who's another long-term Ohio Supreme Court judge. So with a Democratic majority, we could see changes in maps because they, the rulings would continue to go against the Republican-drawn maps, and we could also see a lot more pushback on any state legislation that would restrict abortion rights. It's going to be an interesting uh, Tuesday night. I think, you know, a lot, as you mentioned, a lot of times midterms, people are like, oh, whatever, you know, I cast this ballot or I skip it, but I don't think that happened this time. Do you, Kim? I think people are really interested in what's going to transpire this time. I, I do. I also think that we, we should see turnout that isn't as depressed as we often see with these midterm elections. There's a lot of different issues on the ballot. Uh, there's been a lot of money spent in the senatorial campaign, uh, not so much with the governor campaign. Uh, here in Northeast Ohio, we also have Cuyahoga County executive race, which isn't as maybe as uh, close to, say, the senatorial race, but there's 
people seem to be very invested in the county, knowing how much money there is just from you know what the county brings in GDP wise, which is uh, like around forty percent of all Ohio GDP, but also with some of the issues happening up here, including a lot of money coming in from the federal government through ARPA and CARES and now Inflation Reduction Act money and the proposed buildings of jails and issues with the convention center. There's just a lot of stuff that has piqued the interest of voters. Kim, thanks for helping clear this up a little bit. We'll see what happens on Tuesday. We're always glad you can join us. All right. Thanks so much. And uh, everybody who can, uh, it should be a nice day. Everybody get out there and cast your vote. Kim Palmer is our government and policy reporter for Cranes Cleveland. She joined us today for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Always glad when you can join us and we'll talk again soon. Thank you.